Let us go to the Lord again in prayer. Heavenly Father, once again we thank you for the blessing to come before you and to let our requests and petitions be made known. We know that we are indeed great sinners, but we trust that we have a even greater Savior. <clears throat> we thank you that you know our frame, that we are as but dust. And frankly, speaking for myself, as you know, I'm often made to wonder why you continue to put up with such a sinner. And yet, believing that you do so. And trusting that we're not self-deceived. We know that in that day there shall be many that will say, Lord, Lord. And then they will list all the things that they thought they were doing in your name and for your honor and for your glory. But they will hear those dreadful words when Christ shall say, Depart from me, I never knew you. Help us not to be deceived accordingly. We thank you for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and that because of the warfare between the flesh and the Spirit that we cannot do the things that we would. It grieves us that we do not serve you as we desire. But we take comfort in the fact that the Holy Spirit indwelling within us keeps us from going into the depth of sin that we would otherwise if it were not for his working effectually in us. We pray, our Father, that you would be with faithful men who stand to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ. We pray that somehow you might grant revival. No, we do not deserve it. We recognize that. But if not nationwide or worldwide or even statewide or citywide, at least revive our own souls. May the path of the just grow brighter and brighter as we travel on to glory.
And when it, and when it comes time to cross Jordan, that you will, according to the promise of your word, never leave us nor forsake us, but usher us into the fullness of the glorious liberty of the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we pray for those that are sick that we mentioned earlier, uh, even some that are members of our own congregation that are not with us physically, but are electronically in their uh, labors. Others that uh, attend here on somewhat of occasional basis and bless their family to re be restored and those that are planning on uh, this coming week and some uh, in a couple of three weeks that are going to either India or Africa that you would be with them and grant them all that is needed sometimes we think we know what to pray for but for the most part as thy word teaches we don't even know what to pray for as we ought now bless us as we continue in this worship we ask in Jesus name Amen Coming back to Galatians chapter 5, we have been looking at the what it was with regard to Christian liberty, and we noted that Christian liberty is not the liberty for a person to do whatever he wants to do, but the liberty that is talked about here is liberty to be delivered from legalism, to be delivered from uh, 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 the law, and to be delivered into the redemptive work of Christ. Though it does not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It does not give us the liberty to live however we want to, and we still do desire and strive to obey the law not for righteousness not for justification but out of a love for the Lord and then we pointed out that the falling from grace there is not talking about one losing their salvation but it's one falling out of this economy of grace or falling from this New Testament worship and going back to the Old Testament form of worship or back under the law. And last Lord's Day, we uh, did uh, spend pretty much quite a bit of time with regard to a little leavening, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump and show how just little things... Uh, grow into big things, particularly into the uh, sinful practices 
if nothing else. And we want to take up in verse 12. And I will read. Uh, I'll read verse 12 and we'll spend a uh, few, few moments on that. Paul said, I would they were even cut off, which trouble you. There's somewhat of a discussion about what this cut off is. But first of all, it appears that Paul is manifesting some irony here. Uh, you know, the idea that a preacher is always to be uh, sweet and nice and never uh, uh, wrinkle anyone's feathers is truly not according to Scripture. But if nothing else, it does seem that Paul is expressing his contempt for the Judaizers and their wicked doctrine of trying to force circumcision upon New Testament believers and or dragging them back up back under the law. This word cut off literally means to amputate. And by irony, to mutilate. And even the private parts. And I think that's what Paul was saying here to these uh, Judaizers. Uh, you're making much to do about a, a little uh, piece of skin upon your private parts. Well, if you're going to make so much about it, I wish you'd just cut the whole private part off. In other words, he was, uh, he was really putting a curse upon them in one sense or the other. Now, I want to, we'll look at, there's only six times that this word is used, so we'll look at it and show what that, it just simply means what it says. But uh, I like to go to the Scriptures and as much as possible and look at a lot of these verses uh, and do word studies on to show how God uses the Word and the Scriptures and it does more to explain than what I can say. First of all, in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Starting in verse 43. And if thy hand offend thee, and there it is, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter, in, uh, to enter halt into life 
than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched and so on. And automatically when you read a passage like that people will say well God, did God really mean that you ought to cut your hand off or your foot off? And I believe that he's showing the seriousness of living a holy life. I don't think that he is saying that you uh, need to go and cut your hand off because uh, if you're using your hand to perform sinful practices, you can cut the hand off, but it won't do it won't do anything with your mind. That's where sin originates in the mind, in the heart. But having said that. What Jesus said is true. Wouldn't it be better to go to be with God without one hand than to go to hell with both hands? Wouldn't it be better to uh, be with the Lord in glory with one foot than to go to hell with both feet? In other words, uh, Jesus was not teaching uh, uh, about uh, amputation or not amputation, he was teaching about holiness. And we need to realize that. And, and so, and so the, the analogy still holds up. Also, look in uh, John chapter 18. John chapter 18. We see the word used twice in that chapter. John chapter 18. Verse 10. This is in the garden when the uh, uh, soldiers come to arrest the Lord. John 18.10 Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off, there it is, his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. And then drop down to verse 26. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? So you see the word cut off, it just really means to amputate, to cut off. And yet, we see it used in a different way, but still the, uh, it reinforces the meaning in Acts chapter 27. In Acts chapter 27, You remember that uh, Paul was being carried to Rome and they were out in the middle of the Mediterranean and a big storm comes up and there were some men that were, that were going to uh, try to escape and get out of the ship. And But 
We'll just read the one verse in verse 32. Well, let's read verse 31. Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, Except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. So you see what the word means. It just means to cut off. And I believe by the way the word is used and what the word means, that what uh, I gave as the first uh, interpretation of that is what it means. In other words, Paul's insinuation is that the Judaizers desired so much to enforce circumcision that they would not only be circumcised, but they would cut off the entire member of their private parts. You say, well, that, that just, uh, that's just crude. Well, the Bible is pretty specific in, in many ways. Pretty specific in, in many ways. But as I said, some think that this is too harsh and that uh, a believer should not uh, use such language and that all Paul was saying here is that they just should be cut off from the communion of the saints. And they would use something like First uh, like Corinthians chapter 5. Let's turn and look at that. Though you, I would think that you should be familiar with it. But we'll read it anyway. <clears throat> it's talking about the man that was sleeping with his father's wife and Paul's instruction to the congregation at Corinth. Verse 6 and 7. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Drop down to verse 9. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters for them must ye needs go out of the world but now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother in other words this is someone that professes to be a believer and he's a fornicator or covetous or an extortioner or with idolaters for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now, I may have already read 10. I should be reading 11. 
But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner. With such a one, know not to eat. Well, we live in a society, if people are that, they glory in them more than they do anything else. And if you try to uh, avoid company with them, then you're, you're to be the mean one. But let's look and see about some other passages of Scripture with regard to uh, this same line. Romans 16. Romans 16. We'll read verses 17 and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Second Thessalonians chapter three. Verse six. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the traditions which he received of us. Drop down to verse 14. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Problem is today, not, people are not ashamed of anything. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verse 3. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputing of men of corrupt mind and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5. Talking about people that have a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Titus chapter 3 verse 10 A man that is an heretic 
after the first and second admonition, reject. And then Second John, Second Epistle of John, verses 10 and 11. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. And so some would say the cutting off means this. And what we've seen. But I still believe what I said before, what it really means. And yet, obviously, we are to cut off people that are not walking righteously and do not teach sound doctrine and other things that were mentioned in those verses and we could compound other verses accordingly. But believing that Paul meant that if you're going to just... uh, Uh, mutilate yourself a little bit, why don't you just mutilate yourself a whole lot? In other words, if if, it kind of makes me think of the prophets of Baal when Elijah was, was challenging them on Mount Carmel. You remember what they did? They were trying to get God to come down and burn up their offering and they cut themselves with lances and you know they just cut themselves more and more as they kept trying to dance around and get uh, God to call upon uh, God to answer their prayers. Well, that's what paganism does. Paganism uh, mutilates the body. And Paul said if you're not going to be uh, believe in grace you might as well Go ahead and mutilate your body the whole whole way. Though I do not think Paul would approve of people who mutilate their bodies today with all of their ungodly tattoos and all of their ear piercing and nose piercing and tongue piercing and whatever else they want to pierce. That's nothing but paganism. Nothing but paganism. I've preached that for years and I still, if I stay in my right mind, will preach that and people have heard me preach that and have left this place and uh, practice it now. But like I said, some think that it's not right for a Christian to curse others as Paul did, the Judaizers. Now, I will say this before I read some passages of Scripture here. One must be careful not to be driven by the flesh. You know, if somebody's not doing something that we think is not right, it's easy for us to take it personally. And if somebody is doing something to someone we love and that person is doing right and somebody's doing something to them that's wrong, 
it's easy for us to take it personally and take up somebody else's offense. So we must need be careful that we don't uh, take something personally. But, I'm going to give you some examples of where others cursed the wicked. Look at Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Peter and John had gone down to uh, Samaria. And they prayed for these Samaritans and the Holy Spirit were received by them through prayer and by the laying on of hands. You can read that in the first part of the chapter there. For time's sake, we won't read all of it. But there was a man there by the name of Simon that, well, I will start it just, uh, let's start at verse 9. I'll read more than I thought I was going to. Now there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the city, in the same city, used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. Do we not see a lot of folks like that today? Not only in the pulpit, but in... uh, in politics. To whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. And when they believed Philip's preaching, the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was not he, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them; only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. 
saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Now notice what Peter said. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee. And because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money, thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. So Peter pronounced a curse upon this man. He told him to repent. You're in the gall of bitterness. You're not right. Pray that God might forgive you. You say, well, is he a child of God or not? That's God's business to figure that out. My point is, Peter cursed him. In other words, he pronounced a judgment upon him. Paul does this in other occasions. Look at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Verses 2 and 3. Beware of dogs. That's not a nice thing to say about somebody, is it? (laughs) We've got a bunch of dogs running around in the world. Beware of dogs. These were people that were in, evidently, that were in congregations trying to lead people astray. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. In other words, those that are trying to go around getting people to be circumcised. Paul says these Judaizers are nothing but dogs. Beware of them. Verse 3, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Beware of dogs. Look at 1 Timothy. Chapter 1. He talks about two men here. Verse 20. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. You say, well, that was what uh, uh, apostles did and things like that. We don't have that right to do so. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 
Now, I know this is not an individual. This is a congregation. But in verse 4, notice what Paul tells the Corinthian congregation and saints to do. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. That's what we do when we excommunicate someone. We turn them over to Satan in hopes that they will repent. And people who are excluded should know that. There's only two ways <coughs> that a person can legally be removed from a congregation. One is if they go and join another one, a congregation of like faith and order. And we grant them a letter to do so. No, there's three ways. Second is death. Naturally, they're no longer a member. And thirdly, by exclusion. That's the only three ways that a person has the right to leave a congregation according to Scripture. Well, I don't get off on that. Let's look at the some passages in the Old Testament. Let's go to Psalms. The book of Psalms. Psalm 5. Psalm 5, verse 10. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. Now I'm going to repeat what I said at the beginning. We have to be careful that we're not taking up a personal offense. The psalmist wanted these people to be cast out and destroyed because they were enemies of God. They were enemies of God. You know, the psalmist said in another place, I don't think I have it written down here. Do not I hate them that hate thee? The idea that a Christian is always to be going around with uh, goody two shoes and, you know, just sweet and nice and uh, Cairo syrup is just rolling off him in every way is not, is not accurate. 
And yet we don't want to have the wrong spirit either. But what I'm showing is that Scripture shows that not only Old Testament saints, but New Testament saints pronounce curses and judgments on individuals. And even congregations can do that. Psalm 9. Psalm 9. Verse 17. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. That's a statement of a fact. The wicked shall be turned to hell and all nations that forsake God. Now I don't know when it's going to be or how it's going to be. But unless God grants repentance, this nation is going to be turned into hell. And those of you that have heard me preach, you've heard me be, I've been saying that for years. And I can see it more and more and more. And some of you who used to think that I was off my rocker have realized of late that uh, I was had a pretty good rocking chair. <laughs> now, I do not glory in that. It saddens me. It saddens me. But the point is, the Bible either means what it says or it doesn't. And I just believe, I'm just dumb enough to believe God because I'm not smart enough to believe otherwise. Psalm 55. Psalm 55. Verse 15. Let death seize upon them and let them go down quick into hell. For wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. I'll just read the next verse. But as for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. But the wicked shall be cast down. There are some psalms that are considered to be impeccatory throughout. I'm not going to read them. I'll give you a couple. Uh, psalm 69 and Psalm 109. They're, they're, those are called, among others, impeccatory psalms. Impeccatory means they're psalms of judgments. What we, the verses we've been reading are impeccatory verses. And so when Paul said to the Galatians, I would they were cut off that trouble you, 
He was not being unchristian. He was not being uncharitable. He was being a faithful minister standing for the truth of God. Now again, I want to say, because we are sinners, I don't know about y'all, but I am, and we need to be careful when we do this that we're not taking something up personally. You know, somebody can do something uh, to me or, or and uh, I might take it personally. I might have a reason to or I might not. Somebody might do something to one of you saints and I might take it personally when it's really none of my business. Or it might be my business, depending on the situation. But we are sinners, and we don't know our hearts. And therefore, we have to be careful. But I can say with great clarity, I would that wicked leaders, God would remove and give us godly men to rule over us. County-wise, state-wide, nationwide, worldwide. And however God wants to remove them is okay with me. I don't have the right to take up arm against them. Unless they are violating laws and coming against me in violation of laws. And even then, we must be careful. Even then, we must be careful. Now, that would require another two or three sermons to explain all of that. I don't need to. But, I hope that what we've said will give you sufficient evidence from Scripture to cover all sections of verse 12. I've given you both sides, whether Paul was saying their private part be cut off or whether people, whether Paul might have been saying uh, ungodly people should be cut off. And for those who say, well, it's not right for a Christian to pronounce a curse upon someone or to uh, speak ill of them, well, that's not true either. And yet at the same time, we need to be careful. Well, I bet you didn't think I was going to spend a whole sermon on verse 12, did you? <laughs> but sometimes it's needful when you're exegeting verses, uh, a whole book of the Bible. Sometimes you can take a bunch of scriptures together. Sometimes one verse uh, needs to be looked at in more depth. Let's pray. My Father, I would they that trouble Israel were cut off however they need to be. 
We know that thy word teaches that you hate those who sow discord among the brethren. And there's a whole, whole lot of discord. Help us as we seek to stand for truth. That we are not taking up a personal battle and trying to vindicate ourselves and showing how right we are and how wrong somebody else is and thereby having just as wrong of the Spirit as others and are <clears throat> contributing to sowing discord. Box us in. <coughs> and keep us from going astray. And channel us to stand for the truth of the gospel at all cost with a loving spirit and disposition. We, at least I can say for myself, do not always know how to balance that out. As you led Jacob in a waste howling wilderness by way that he knew not, I pray that you lead us by ways that we know not, that we might stand for truth as you would have us to, to the glory of Christ. And it is in his name we pray. Amen.